Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 148 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 26 over on twitch.tv slash Focus Fire Chat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the Mara Senna lore booklet. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? Not too bad. Um, haven't been playing a ton of Destiny, but I did do something I haven't done, and I've actually been committing to it a little bit more than I have ever before, and I told Beard today that he should be proud of me because I finally made a warlock and I put at least over an hour into the character so far. And I'm, I'm playing the warlock now. So there's that I'm Mm -hmm, learning mm -hmm. how to floof. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. difficult. I was, I was trying to teach her how to floof. She wasn't picking up on it very well. Yeah, You're you're saying (laughs) something about double tapping. Uh uh Do Do I have to make a video? Do I just, do I just have to here? Listen, do I just do this? Not, not, no, no. Okay. No. Doesn't seem to work very well. I'm just spazzing all over the screen. Like, just, just tap it and hit it again. Just, da-da. Da-da? Da-da. Da-da? Okay. Da-da. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if I, if I have to, if I have to vocalize this anyway, it's, da-da. I can do that. Give me rhythmic cues and I'll be fine. See, one musician to another. We understand this. We We get it. Yeah. Da-da. Da-da. Maybe someday I'll be able to actually jump vertically with a warlock. Right now, that's not happening. I it's, trust. It's, mm. Do I do I really have to make a video about this? <laughs> Just in, tell me how to do it after the show. Just tell me how to do it after the show. Do I do I have to content cop the ideas of how to floof properly? Anyway. Well, rounding out the usual team, we have the man who is known far and wide as the Destiny lore content cop, and apparently the floofer educational system, the one and only Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? I swear with these nicknames. Um, I am doing (laughs) well. To be fair, I came up with that one on the... the (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could have been like, here's Dada. 
da da. Is that how we communicate in Warlock? It could be a next bad Destiny joke. No, oh, should get Cole on that. Uh, yeah, when she gets time, the poor girl. Um, yeah. Yeah, this week's been interesting. Uh, as I mentioned, actually, in top three a little bit ago, uh, for anybody that's coming straight from there, uh, I actually have my sister visiting for almost a month, I think it is at this point. Um, but this is her, her first week back. So it's been nice to catch up with her, of course, since she lives over in California and I'm over here in PA. Uh, it's a little bit of a distance, just a, just a little bit. Uh, but that being said, yeah, it's uh, it's good to kind of hang out with her, uh, spend a little bit more time with her again. Uh, between that, I've been also reading up on everything that I've been missing out on when it comes down to the lore. Uh, I am officially down to, as of like a couple days ago, actually, I was down to uh, just needing to read ghost stories. Uh, and I, I've, I've legitimately lacked any ability to like find time to do so between a, a couple other things that have been going on in life. So that being said, one more book to go. And then I am back to creating content and basically just being able to be like, here's everything that I found out because I'm crazy and I like to hold it all in up until I'm all done with it all. Um, we also have been kind of... Uh, we've um yeah, what's the word here productive over the course of the week uh my father actually bought a drobo and i don't know if anybody's familiar with them but they're basically the best little uh nas systems or network drive systems that you can get a hold of huh. uh, but this actually allowed for a older uh nas that we had uh to be freed up so i now have a network drive that i can back up all my stuff to Oh, nice. uh, which is immensely helpful, uh, considering I have not had the ability to pick up a backup drive for a little while now. Uh, but yeah, that being said, I now have like all my videos being backed up uh, as we speak to the thing, cool. uh, transferring at a whole twelve megasecond. But it's getting there. <laughs> beep beep beep. Um... Yeah, basically. <laughs> beep 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 beep. beep, beep. <laughs> So for this episode, Green was kind enough to ask the community, uh, Green, I'm going to let you voice the question. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I may have done this partially to see if I would trigger Beard. Um, yeah, because I wasn't here last week. Sorry about that, by the way. That's okay. I might be I might be a little bit more rambly than usual because I wasn't here last week. Just it fair warning for everybody. Okay. I'll try to keep it under control. But It is okay. So, okay. So, I asked the community, because we're talking about the Maracena, is the Maracena factual, or do you feel that it's embellished? And it was actually a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, we had 93 people vote on it. 57% of the people said that they felt it was embellished, mm. versus 43% saying that it's 100% factual, which is... A lot closer than I thought. Um, a lot of people wanted, and a couple of different people had commented on it. Zach said, uh, well, Zach was asking if it was like an approximation to Books of Sorrow. Like, do you think it's a, an approximation to that? And the fact that we know that there's a lot of lies in Books of Sorrow mm -hmm. versus do we think Marasena is kind of like the Awoken's version of Books of Sorrow? I kind of want to get your guys' opinions on that. What do you think? 
I mean, did anybody else have any um, have any thoughts on their own? I guess from that, or not entirely, because uh, I can I can get long winded on this one. Well, I mean, there's there's a couple of other comments basically saying that they think essentially history is told by the victors, right? And so that you're going to get some embellishments in general. Um, some people are like, I don't trust Mara. It's totally made up type thing. Yeah, but that's the dumb part. I don't trust Mara because I think she is a sta- backstabbing wench. Uh, I think overall... We are when all already sudden, there. Oh, yeah, we're already there. I, of course, will take this to the nth degree right off of that's that. That's fine. Um, yeah, I I think that there is grounds to say that it is embellished, but it is to drive the points home uh, more than it is actually to throw out what possibly was there if there's all right if there's any embellishing that is going on inside of the uh marasena after having read it Mm -hmm. uh it is the uh embellishment of the awoken people and how great they are uh or for how great the ones that stayed back are within the distributary uh which we're still not even entirely sure if that's the case or not like we're never going to probably meet those people Right. Uh, but that being said, like those are the, the if there's any embellishment that I feel is there, uh, it is how the Awoken people were uh, within the distributary and how different they are now uh, when we start to see and read about the events that happened throughout the uh, throughout the Maraid and a few other books that we've kind of seen or other entries that we've seen uh, for the Awoken people. Uh, I really don't think that there is much embellishment in terms of how Marasov actually is. Uh, I really just see somebody that is doing something for for the sake of what she feels is the correct direction that the universe or our solar system needs to go in. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's in the best interest of the, of the, of the solar system or for the inhabitants. Uh, it is for the best interest of the Awoken people. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've mentioned like several times over, I think at this point, just because Rasputin is the guardian of Earth doesn't mean that he's the guardian of humanity anymore. It's sort of like Gamera, okay? Just because he's the guardian of Earth doesn't mean he's the guardian of humanity. It just means he <laughs> likes the soil, all right? He just right. likes the dirt there. He just yeah, likes really. the place. But it, it's the same thing as the uh, as the Awoken, I feel. They are, yeah. they are in touch with the ideas of the universe. They are in touch with the ideas of the galaxy, but they are not in touch with the ideas of who is there and what ultimately it is going to come down to on on who inhabits it uh if it's for the betterment of the universe as a cosmic idea then that's fine and that's why i think we'll we'll get to it of course as we go along with like all the logics and everything of course too but the ideas that uh that branch into marasov as a whole i really do feel just say like she is there for uh the betterment of the universe and like finding this balance within the universe uh if if I have to uh, akin this to anybody, she's like the Anakin Skywalker of destiny. Like oh she's there to find the the balance within the the uh the, within the force, if you will. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to be over goodness uh, necessitative reasonings. All right then. With that, <laughs> like I said, long winded. No, no, no. It's just the it's interesting because I know I have a very different perspective. Mm-hmm. on how Mara is in this. And well, you're I, also generally an Awoken. <laughs> I am always an Awoken. I never play any other race. Um, this is this is coming from the Logical Exo. Like, that's right. that's where I think the perspective logical is going to be. 
the yes, that's how it works. warlock. Yes, like that's how that's how I think that this is going to be funny. Because mm-hmm. uh, blue, you're you're traditionally humans, are you not? No, I'm a I play a mix of awoken and human, but yeah. Okay. My hunter, so my hunter is awoken. My titan is an exo, and my warlock is a human. Hmm. Yeah. So we're gonna. I I don't know which one you actually. I I don't I like I align more with the hunter but that's not because of the species it's with because of the (laughs) mechanics right I actually I I I do tend to kind of lean more towards the exos as far as like personality personalities Mm -hmm. I think because I I do agree with their I don't know I I I see the benefit of all three um you know Mm -hmm. it's pros and cons on all three obviously oh Uh, yeah and like Mara, there's a lot of interesting things that I know we'll get into, especially within the Mara Senna that really do, from from a uh, a psychological standpoint, really kind of explain a lot of what Mara is doing, as well mm-hmm. as Aldrin. It explains a lot of Aldrin's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd almost call them issues, uh, not as much as the Forsaken Prince, yeah. but like. Mara Senna does kind of lay very strong groundwork for those two characters, especially. Um, and, and there's just like seeing that piece of it. And I don't think those pieces were the embellished pieces. I, I do kind of agree with beard. I think that they have deified the awoken who stayed behind. Um, as far as why they deified them, I, I have my own opinions of that, and mm-hmm. I, I we'll get into that because I, I don't think it was for anything that – I don't think it was something that Mara necessarily wanted to do. I think it was an appeasement of sorts, basically. Right. Um, very, to keep, very likely. To keep uh, those who sacrifice – well, we'll get into that. Um, right. <laughs> But like I, I don't I, I I agree 100% that they deified those who stayed behind um more more so than maybe than even they were worth and I think that maybe like in the Marasena itself is kind of a oh in the good old days you know the golden days and you know a throwback there so is it exempt is but- it uh is it like embellishment yeah but it's it's embellishment in the same sense that anyone who's reading historical texts will kind of see like you kind of gloss over the bad and you kind of slightly engage, like slightly kind of bump up the good. The um, thing is though, is Mara's Mara exposes herself as oh, yeah, not right, being right. the greatest. I mean, even well, though Mara is, she, well, she comes she? out on top. She right. comes out on top, but she's got some really shady stuff that she talks about. Oh yeah. But I mean, I think that's where, that's where my, my combat, my, my compromise back to the the question kind of comes in is like I think that the Marasena is a work of historical uh historical retelling but I think it's in the same line and green and green you and I have had this conversation offline uh, I think it's in the same line that you see like within the poets like Virgil and Homer um, it's an epic it's an epic poem basically of their history it's an it's an epic retelling and and in right. that epic retelling there is a lot of fact but there is also some embellishment because in in order to tell a story you have to keep the interest um, right. and, and and so within the Morrisena I think that's exactly what you're seeing is you're seeing an embellishment in in regards to hey this is a story that we're telling um but you're I mean you're both you're you're 100 percent correct there as well, Green, because they they she doesn't 
she doesn't pull punches even when it comes to herself. And like, for example, if you look at the, the Aeneid, that's the same that can be said about the story of Aeneas, who is the founder of Rome. I mean, like the entire mm-hmm. book is about the the supremacy of Rome and, you know, all this stuff. And even in that, even in the Aeneid, Aeneid Aeneas makes really dumb mistakes. Like he just is, mm-hmm. there are some points where it's just like, seriously, dude, like you are an idiot. And and they do that because they show that that character, you know, when within the story, you see the character grow. Them. Well, it, it humanizes them, but it also allows them to grow. And it kind of encourages them that, you know, hey, we have made mistakes in the past and we've learned from them. So any mistakes that we make now is a learning opportunity. It's not necessarily a failure. It's an opportunity to learn and become better. So right. it, it's it's that's where I kind of see like maybe an embellishment, especially in the mm-hmm. Maracena, is more of it. You know, call it propaganda, call it political speak, whatever you want. It it is also education. Like that is what yeah. these things do. So I, well, I mean, I I, I do think it was embellished, but I don't think it necessarily was embellished for a nefarious purpose. Though I mean, I could I could be wrong. I I don't know. I think that's why though it, it legitimately comes down to like who is uh, who is either writing it or or communicating mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. etc. Like. You want to you want to give a better impression. Like Mara can officially go ahead and like put onto the books like these are the ways that uh, we we wanted to like go away from these uh, from the distributary or whatnot. Uh, but she can still go ahead and talk highly of the people that she left behind. Uh, in large, an interesting largely because too. of like a a large person she left behind. I have a feeling, but anyway. Another question though that kind of leads into the actual bulk of our thing is do you think Mara actually wrote the entire text of it? Because she, as far as we, I can tell, she penned the first card. Yes. But a lot of the rest of it is told either through like um, third person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I mean, I have a theory on that too. I think that yeah. she pinned, I think she pinned the first and the last card. Um, I think it's, I, I get the feeling that that's her statements. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of her being like kind of what Beard is saying, like the kind of like, this is the official story, you know, like it, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily, I, I honestly, I think probably either a cryptarch or a, uh, Tetune probably pinned the actual, uh, information because those are both the classifications of scholars within the awoken populace. Um, mm-hmm. And they that or a scribe, since we know that or, uh, yeah, Asher yeah, came or along Jensen, as well. yeah. But the Jin, yeah. my my argument against that they is the Jensen scribes are really anti Mara. Like they really did not, right. they did not like them. Um, but yeah, I I just I don't know. I I don't think that the brunt of it was necessarily written by Mara. But I mean, again, I just we don't know. Uh, but I, I do like agree. Was, I do agree that the first and last card were probably definitely. Yeah, it feels like it had her oversight, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But that's yes. about as far yeah. as it went. I would probably say that, thinking back on it a little bit more. With that being said, do you think we're ready to go into the? Bulk yeah, I mean, it's not like it's probably not like you can tell that we're kind of hyped up to talk about this one. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna say, and it's actually one that I can actually give input on. For <laughs> Yay! So let's run through the intro real quick, and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed Most Loyal, 
If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which helps others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the extra lore topic for October, Bloodborne. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. With all that being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. Secrets Do you come in hope, O listeners, for the secrets of the Awoken? The Marasana reads much like a holy text. The genesis of a race, establishment of order, civil war, and exodus of a people back to the realm from which they originated, echo religious texts we have out of game. There is much to learn, and even more to speculate, thanks to this, which without much formatting is over 30 pages long. We can begin to comprehend Aldrin and Mara, both learning that their personalities didn't really change when they became awoken. And finally, start to grasp how a race changed at the beginning of the Collapse could have such technological advantage. But be wary not to swallow this book wholesale and dig too deep. You will likely miss the point. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about Marasina, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. So similar to what we did with uh, the last couple Lost Lores, I figured Green and I have had this conversation <laughs> offline. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, I, friendly debate. debate? Friendly yeah. debate, because I don't really feel like I have a lot invested in either way of the, the side <laughs> of it. Um, so I, I think the one of the big questions that I've seen actually quite a few times, uh, not, not just towards us but other like in general is like the meaning of Marasena. uh you know what what does it mean because it's kind of you know a made-up word so what could it possibly mean 
uh, we've, we had uh, a couple people reach out and, or we had one person reach out asking us about, you know, do you think it's a, a nod to Mara's full name? Do you, you know, and then, uh, all that. And so I'm curious, green and I have had, like I said, we've had this conversation, uh, green, I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Well, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first on Either thoughts? Way, as far? Um, I mean, actually, I- Beard, you want to go first? You Beard, you want to go first? Well, I just want to interject that I figured I would look up the word Senna. (laughs) See? Beard's on my side. Beard's on my side. To be fair, fair, I started there, okay? I I just went a different direction. I just went a different direction than Green did. I figured you would. I'm just sitting here going, you're comp- you're you're combining Mara and Senna together, right, right? And this just doesn't work out very well because, and all right, maybe it does make things work out kind of well. So I'm going to define to you what Senna means right now. It is a <laughs> noun. The plural is Senna's, and it is the cassia tree. A laxative prepared from the dried pods of the cassia tree. So, in essence... No, 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 no. Okay, all right. Before I get to my joke, go ahead. Before you get to your joke, and we break blue any further, Uh the cassia tree is like a shrubbery to add to the flingus. It's a shrubbery. Flingus is shrubbery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, that that was my way of redeeming myself from dying uh, of the fact that it's a laxative. Uh, uh-huh. That you can make a laxative out of it, which, granted, you can make a lot of... Anyway, go Anyways, along continue. with your joke, Beard. Yeah, so, to me, I, I think uh, Wicked Gesture has already gone ahead and ruined it, but uh, it just <laughs> makes it to the point that it's easier to accept Mara for what she is. And I oh. think that's where they're going with it. Wow. Which, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, no. Yeah. Yes. So no. the Mara cinema. No. I don't think I don't think it's Mara's necessarily black flag, but it just makes accepting what Mara has to tell us a little easier. Which, oh per God. that notion, just tells me overall. I, I, yeah, I Salty think I XO. really just see this from a completely different perspective now. So, <laughs> moving on. It's so green. Uh, green. That's hilarious. Green, for the you go. <laughs> for the non-salty perspective I'm of that same breakdown, you stop it. Um, Senna being tree, this is like the family tree of Mara. This is the family tree of the Awoken. It's the history of the Awoken. Very simple, straightforward, nothing to do with laxatives, nothing to do with <laughs> all over my awoken queen uh, jerk face. Wow. Okay, this went a completely different direction than I expected. It right, to go okay. Green, <laughs> well, right. and if you let's, let's dial that back. And if you look, if you look at later in that definition, it actually starts talking about the etymology of mm-hmm. the word Senna. And it will it will point you back. There's a couple different theorized roots uh one is the germanic for the edge of the sword i believe um and then the uh, the one that i kind of latched onto was the latin slash italian uh basis of inna um and so this is kind of and i kind of mentioned this before we went through the intro but 
in a similar way that we saw the Aeneid and the like Maraid is the other piece of text from the Awoken that we have. And the Maraid, I really strongly argue, is Mara's story of the founding of the reef because it's the Mara aid. Um, similar mm-hmm. to the Aeneas, Aeneas founding of Rome is told in the Aeneid. Um, as far as the Maracena, you know, I, I think it's it's more of a play off the I, and I wrote this actually I I was being asked about this earlier so full disclosure this is what I my response to them was and I'd say I I actually kind of argue that it's not not her name but actually it's more of a play off the idea of a collection of tales um and it, this is where I kind of make a nod uh it could be possibly derived from germanic term ek which means edge of sword and agi which is all terror or fear but actually what seems to be more likely to be the the case if you went down this little rabbit hole that I went down is that its usage in the English tongue is actually more likely to be from the Latin or Italian use of inna, which refers to a province in Sicily. Uh, so there's a bit of a explanation that needs to be made here as to why I think this actually is applicable. Inna is that is the location of an event in Greek mythology called the rape of Persephone. And this was the story of Pluto capturing Persephone and kidnapping her, basically, and dragging her into the underworld. And so this would tie into some of the other terms that you see within the Maracena, namely the uh, impotent and catabasis, which are both events that are similar to the the legend of Persephone and Hades. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you kind of see a little bit of a connection there. Also, the fact is, is that we have seen a lot of times mixing of the um, mixing of the Awoken with the the Greek mythology or the Roman mythology. So that's kind of where, again, I'm kind of like, I mean, there, there, there's kind of a nod there. Uh, Dino is also pointing out in chat that uh, Sinna is an Arabic name for brightness. Um, and then Mara means bitterness and death. So Mara Sinna could be the balancing act like the Awoken themselves. So that, I mean, that's, that's another really good point there. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of play on this, um, you know, depending on which, which definition you're going with. I mean, anywhere from beards, laxative to green's family tree, um, you know, and, and to be fair, I, I'm not, I don't think that that's wrong. I think that's actually at all, like both of those are, well, Greens is very, very good. Um, beard, beards is beards is effing hilarious, but it's I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna anyways. Um, but I think like the etymology there too, I think is really kind of it, it was a kind of a cool little thing. Um, I had completely not even thought about you know the whole mythology aspect to it. But if it if it if that is the case, that's a really kind of cool little nod to uh, to a really um uh, dis- uh it, it's it's a disturbing part of the myth because it it also explains uh the reason why the seasons exist and there's a lot of stuff that that happen within the Persephone and Hades myth that you know explain a lot of the natural world that you that we have um but it also would be paired pretty nicely with what was actually happening within the Maracena because the, the, with the the humanity that became the awoken being ripped into the distributary um kind of you know not necessarily against their will but not necessarily because they wanted to um and they are allowed to eventually return 
but the price of returning is the sacrificing of some of the gifts that they had been quote unquote given. Um, you know, I, I just, I see a lot of parallels with that particular mythology or myth and the Awoken Maracena. So mm-hmm. just, but I know green kind of disagrees with me. I'm just adamant about my, my way of the highway at this point with that one. <laughs> I mean, look, I think you're both wrong about it. And it is obviously a way to accept Mara for who she is at this point, which is still. A, so now, now all I, all I can hear is that I am allowed to shout me, me, whenever yeah. I disagree with them. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. But okay. Green, I, I know Green has done a, just a fair amount of research for this one. So I'm actually going to let Green kind of walk us through a, really just like an introduction of what what the Maracena, what the Maracena involves. So Maracena is huge in comparison to a lot of the books that we have so far. It is. That's I believe, an understatement. It's. If you take just the text of the Maracena in 10 font times New Roman, it is 34 pages long. Straight. Oh, God, why would you do that? I did that because I have Evernote, and it's a lot easier for me to, like, pretend I'm working at work with a text document <laughs> up rather than a web page up. Okay, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, it's huge. It. Like, if you've listened to the recording of the Mars in it, I think it was like an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah. Or quite near that. And it is a ton of information all the way through. And we're obviously not going to go through every aspect of it or every, like, little ins and outs. But there are four cards in particular I do want us to read. First one's one of them. The two cards involving the transformation and then the very last one. And then we can just kind of go over what each of the sections are about. It's broken up into these mini arcs that have kind of their own, you think of it episodically. They're very episodic in their descriptions. And Blue was so nice to actually do like the um, breakdown of what each of those titles are. But... To start us off, we'll start with Archiloquy, which is probably my favorite card in this whole book. Because this is it is the it is the card that actually prompted the whole question of is this truth or is this embellishment? Yeah. So, um, here's Archiloquy. Secrets. Do you come and hope, O oh reader, for the secrets of my reign? A parable. In the nitrate earth of the lightning crater, where the firmament has joined in electric fury with the fundament, there lives a burrowing insect with two trembling antennae, thin as whiskers, long as life. A grasping hand reaches for the buried secret, finds the antenna and pulls, comes away with a single whisker, meaningless. The searcher disappointed. A wounded insect buried deeper, the secret now half-blind. That which digs for truth may bury deeper lies. If you recognize my authority, then I command you to pass onward as gently as the lover passes a razor over beloved skin. If you do not, then I name you Magicept, doubter of royalty, and I suggest you watch your edge. Cut too deep and too quick, and you will kill the thing you want to know, 
think too eagerly, and as the digging hand leaves its print in soft earth, you, so you will find the image left by your own presumptions. Beware the one who feeds on truth-adjacent lies. Beware the space between reality as imagined and reality as is, for it is abundant to those with appetite. So then, the brave voyager's fate, the timeless birthing place, my Milton reenactment, the ruins made ours, the riven, twice riven, the daughter's blood scabbed hard on mother's wound, all things told, all truth revealed, it through mist and mystery. If you have grace, then see our sorrows, but swallow back your tears. We were made to pay this price. I led us to our fate. Seek me in my place. Hear these whispers from the lips of Queen Egged God. So, basically, I I love this opening paragraph because it's just like, hey, don't overanalyze. <laughs> it's Mara saying not to dig too deep and not to take everything so incredibly literally that you'll miss the whole point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say or dig too far into what um, yes into what she is trying to say or pull at every single word or so on. Because mm-hmm. that's what we, at least what I tend to do too. I generally oh, yeah. will look into like every single word and go from there, which speaking of funny enough, they, um, she mentions the Milton reenactment. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, did you look into that one? Oh, I, I understand Milton. Okay. Well, I was, you know, you who else is, you know, who else is obsessed with Milton? Go for it. Toland. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. went through, the reason I say that is I went through a lot of those collections of quotes that I've been looking for. I managed to finally kind of hunt down a lot of them. Oh my good Lord. He quotes Milton a ton in them. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, it, it was kind of ridiculous. Actually the first couple, I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe they're trying to be cute with the nod to pre golden age text or, you know, whatever. And then like about like the third or fourth time I was like, okay, okay, dude, stop, stop. I mean, he has his playbook. He's going to use his playbook. That's true. Just like Zavala uses his playbook and Shax has his playbook. (laughs) But the helmet stays on. Yep. And there's that reference for the evening. (laughs) That was a meme I forgot entirely (laughs) (laughs) I almost put that on my list, but I thought I'd be nice to you for once. Thanks. Speaking of which, I got a message from... Our good friend, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Liz? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the new voice line? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sure she messaged you too. Anyway, that's interesting. But back to the arquiloquy, the ending is the most confusing part to me. Why does she call herself the queen egged god? Uh, that gets explained in the end, I believe. In yeah. the Awoken of the Reef, or the end of this book, uh, is it not in Palaginus too? I thought it. I thought she explains Maybe? it. It's just such an 
it's yeah, such a weird uh, she so we'll, we'll get we'll get to it but it is okay. it is also in the awoken of the reef uh okay. she refers to herself as that because of a lot of events that happen within the awoken of the reef but mm-hmm. um palogenesis 2 does nod uh to that i believe it's the, and like i said i th- i think you said we're going to read this one but yes. her ending of um the palogenesis she refers to herself as the uncrowned ever queen right um and then there's also the uh the I don't I don't think they're in a lore booklet, but the segments that she that explain what happened between the Taken King event or the Taken War and the showing up of the Dreaming City uh, when she encounters Toland and he like runs screaming and stuff like that. Um, there is a nod to her being a uh, the uh, was it the egg queen or whatever or queen-egged god, there's a reference to that as well. And then there's also a reference in the construction of the... Um, Reverie Dawn armor is yeah. what Dino is saying. Okay, is that... Okay, thanks, thanks, Dino. Um, the uh, There's a reference in the... Re- so there's a reference in there, um, and... <laughs> wicked he doesn't scream he kind of screams and runs away um the uh there's a reference in the reverie dawn and then there's also the the uh the eggs that are spread around um that are mentioned also as being parts of the three-week cycle or the key lock that guardians are supposed to unlock for the last wish um Mm -hmm. that whole thing get uh that that whole kind of ties into this 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 imagery of the queen egg queen egged god um Mm -hmm. and and so like this entire process remember also that this is where she introduces the concept of catabasis which i know we'll probably get into a little bit too because the catabasis is also the evolution of her um she asked the question what what happens when the queen reaches the other edge of the chessboard you know, the evolution of the queen into something more into a minor, minor or major godhead as well mm-hmm. is a really big topic for Mara in general, uh, which is also explained. I believe you, I, I think you're calling out um, Cosmic Guy, right? Uh, Mara's yes, yeah, Mara's birth. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, in Cosmogyre, you kind of see that as well. Uh, you see that a lot, like really heavily, especially in the um, the uh, Catabasis card and the Nye. Uh, that's where a lot of that kind of starts coming to a head, and you start to kind of understand it. You actually don't get the full grip or the full uh, breath of Mara's quote unquote crime uh, in the Marasina. Which is which is interesting for me, because her actual full crime gets fully detailed actually in the Awoken of the Reef when she confesses to Sejur. Sure, yeah, um, or sure. Uh, I don't I don't know how you want to pronounce that, but when she confesses to her outside of one of the ships, that actually doesn't occur in the Marasina because the Marasina is basically up until they come back. Um. So yeah, I I think there. It's it's explained, but it's explained in like a really roundabout, inference heavy way. Right. That Mara Mara is Mara is a hundred percent all about evolution. Um, Mara she is, is about 
She's about intricacies. Intricacies. People too. Right. She's about the intricacies of secrecy, and the 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 undeniable uh, advantage that complex systems have over simplistic systems, which we'll get into. I know. Uh, especially if mm-hmm. we kind of um, mention the bomb logic or the logic of the bomb as opposed to the logic yeah. of the sword. She has a really good explanation of what that is. And I believe that's also in the palingenesis too. That's at too. the end. Yeah. Yeah. I love her explanation of what that is because it, it just it hits it on the head as far as what her her kind of underlying psychological structure really is. But I think – so I don't know if that answers, but it, I mean it, it – it kind of gets detailed throughout the the various texts that we have. It does. And it's talk about like psychological, like getting to know Mara. This whole book is a good way to start to understand at least that Mara and Aldrin have always been this way. Yeah. And a lot of like there's Aldrin has always been the way he is. Well, and so really quick on that, I actually so I was rereading them uh, today. I actually found it really interesting, and I was reminded of this. Mara is actually like in Brefo. I'm assuming you're talking about Brefos as far yeah, as like, when they're original. I figured we could start on that yeah, one no, since definitely it's the introduction I arc. Right, I definitely agree. But I find it interesting because Mara in Brefos is actually the one that's arguing to go back to Earth. And yes. Aldrin, Aldrin is the one that's arguing to stay. We, cho- we chose to abandon them. We have no right uh-huh. or we don't they don't deserve us. Basically, I just I find that really kind of because it shows a degree of Mara that is not what we see in Mara Sov today, really like there. But there is. I mean, there's Mara a hint. There's wants, a hint. Of Mara it. still wants to protect Earth, but she's not doing it the way that young Mara necessarily wanted to. She protects well, fair, her in the way fair. that she can. Yeah. Well, and Mara, also, Mara today has experienced Guardians, whereas yes. she, and, and her opinion of Guardians is pretty low. Um, right. But sorry, so, yeah. I, I just found that, I, I did find that really interesting in the Brefos piece. Right. And speaking of Brefos, um, Brefos is the very first arc. It happens before the transformation and it is by far the most interesting it is very counter written to a lot of the other stuff because mara she says cool i picked up on it today i hadn't picked up on it when i read through it the first couple of times (laughs) she uses the word cool in it and i'm like what who who are you (laughs) what are you doing but um, Brefos talks about um, some of the major characters throughout the book. Mara uh, Aldwin, not Aldrin yet, Aldwin, Osana, Yang, uh, the Yang Liwei ship, which now we also know is uh, Green. Gosh, what is the name of the sh- Why can't Exodus Green? There we go. Did we confirm uh, that? That is in one of the later cards, I okay, believe. Cool. Yeah. I know I refer to it as the ship spire because that's it's what it is. It's in Cos- Cosmogyre mm-hmm. 1 ah, is where okay. it mentions it. Okay. So Brefos 1 is Mara's entrance. It depicts Mara sitting outside of the ship. The ship's name is Yang Liwei, which is kind of like this massive um, ship that is being 
slowly making its way out of the system. She's 19 years and nine months, and she has no like distinctive race that you can tell. And she's just outside, kind of hanging on with Tether, just being outside. And then we get the most hilarious um, description of a scene with an egg a uh, rabbit fetus or a ra- rabbit was it rabbit fetus or a yeah, rabbit, the, rabbit egg the, f- the frozen rabbit fetus that yeah <laughs> was the encouragement to leave yeah Hardly her specific reason. right right jade is it a jade rabbit reference that was my immediate thought i don't think it is freaking dido that's all i know right all the connections but uh reason why Mara and her family are on this ship leaving is because of this incident with the rabbit embryo shattering the face mask of the worker that she was working with because they were repairing something and he instantly died. Which ah, is better being... which is better than the suit being punctured and, you know, succumbing to vacuum. Well, considering Mara lets herself succumb to vacuum multiple times. That's it's... why she's blue. No. That's why she's crazy. <laughs> she's special. Um, That's a nice way to put it. Right. <laughs> so Mara signs her family up to go with Project Amrita, mm-hmm. which Amrita is, in Hindu mythology, is the ambrosia of the gods that bestows immortality. Amrita is the exodus green ship getting out getting away getting away from the traveler leaving trying to get as far from the traveler as they can because a lot of them believe that the traveler is in some ways unhealthy for humanity mm-hmm. so they leave on yang liwei which blue mentioned to me that yang liwei was the name of the first astronaut from china yep which is really cool there's a lot Didn't of reference there because Yang Liwei was the first astronaut from China. You you said earlier about Amrita um, mm-hmm. being the the reference to the Ambrosia, which is you know also similar to Ikor uh, in Greek mythology and all that. But mm-hmm. um, and the charter that they mention a lot, or at least Alice Lee, who's another character you get introduced to here, uh, mm-hmm. mentions quite a bit. The charter of Amrita is all about you know, furthering humanity and, you know, peace and balance and all this, the stuff that the Awoken kind of embody in and of themselves is all described within the charter of the Amrita project. So, which is Mm -hmm. basically, you know, like a peaceful immortality and immortality of the peace of of such. You also learn that Mara is an Autarge third class, which means she is a, essentially like an independent contractor she goes and finds problems and she's supposed to report it back to an autarch second class but (laughs) she doesn't she goes and fixes it herself so she's supposed to identify problems on the ship and the other thing that mara does that is very odd that nobody else does is she actually lives outside of the ship she doesn't like to live inside. She lives kind of on her own. Now she does go back inside multiple times, but she prefers to be tethered outside, just watching the blue shift happen, which is kind of cool. She also is a bit which, of an exhibitionist. Uh, yeah, that comes up in the next card in Brafos. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. 
No, I was like, that's I weird. That's, that's weird good, that that was like that was like the big thing for in Breffos was it was like, wait, Mara's kind yeah. of uh kind of a what? Like <laughs> Yeah, Mara well let's talk about that. Mara and Breffos too, um we find out that Mara has been recording <laughs> these EVAs that she does where she's tethered to the ship and she flows out kilometers away from the ship. And they have what's called cytogel, which is allowing her to essentially survive out in space. And she recalls the majority of the cytogel up to her face mask, where that is literally the only thing that is not exposed to space. And then she calls that back and she records it uh, neurologically, which I think is interesting because that implies that there is a sort of implant already going on. Uh, It also to kind of interject real quick it also explains the aries one missions ability yes. to uh record yes. everything in like high def because if they're pulling altered carbon disc level tech at this point mm-hmm. it's like i mean now granted this whole thing to be fair brefos is taking place during the golden age like actually we'll find out the exactly end. yeah the end we'll, of the we'll, fi- exactly we'll find when, out exactly yeah. when in just a second but but mm-hmm. it is actually after you know the golden age has been going on for a while and so like arguably the 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 tech here is probably a little bit more advanced but it does give a nod to how the aries one uh, mission could have been uh yeah. very could have been recorded well I, they I did like also that give nod. some they give some slight hints of that with the, um, yeah, the Mars uh, or the 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 crew armor from Warmind. Mm-hmm. Remember how they mm-hmm. say there's holograms all the over Ares the tables and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like we're in a today realm. Right. Uh, this is quite possibly something that's happening like twenty two, twenty three hundred, or something like that, maybe, uh, or or maybe like twenty. <sighs> 2070 at the rate that we're going with technology at this point i don't know but you get my point like it's not too far out of our distant future but it's still kind of out there um but now the the holograms in general are are something that kind of like called to my attention something also though that really caught my eye uh in breathless too since we're talking about her being able to to handle uh the vacuum of space and whatnot, thanks to this cytogel or otherwise. Uh, we read actually in the first paragraph that there's also some uh, some more genetic uh, tooling going on with uh, with humanity and how that was. Uh, whether that is related to just Project Amrita, we don't know. Uh, but that is something that kind of calls like maybe we were playing with some stuff we shouldn't have been. Um, but that's just another little little tieback. Uh, makes me wonder if the blue skin or otherwise of the of the Awoken is purely thanks to the uh, the the exposure to becoming Awoken, or if there's something else going on there. Uh, but in addition to that, I've got a small theory on this uh, person that Oldwin is fighting. I'm almost wondering if this isn't sure. Yeah, that's I've heard that one quite often. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it It makes a bit of sense. The only problem I have with that, though, is that Jur is supposed to be really, really tall, and the myostasin, if you shut off the myostasin gene, myostasin prevents your muscles from going too big, 
if you shut off that gene, it doesn't allow, it allows your muscles just to like incredibly increase. That doesn't increase your height though. It only increases muscle mass. Mm. Well, I think it would also depend on when you turn it off as well. True. Well, and, and another nod to this being sure is that, you know, sure was described as described later on as being the only one she has the, what is it? The, uh, wish ender is her bow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which only she can string and it's only by wrapping, like literally wrapping the bow around her body. body. Yeah, like right. she's, she's described as being immensely strong, which I think is where right. a lot of people are connecting this and this pit fighter and the, and her together and to, and, and to confirm, we don't ever actually get the pit fighters name. Isn't that correct? No, we don't. Right. We do not. In addition to that, uh, we also see towards the end of this card that she is incredibly uh, overtaken with what Mara has done out in space. Oh, yeah. She uh, stares at her in awe. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's, she's just absolutely smitten. amazed by it, which if that was the tieback that they were atten- uh, intending and this uh, this pit fighter is looking at Mara like that, uh, it would be a, a cute little tieback to say, like, they've been together this whole time, but never even really realized it. Yeah, and chat's pointing out too that it's a um it is uh very akin to Thanatonautics here. Mm-hmm. Um So that Dino's kind of... also saying that per- but perhaps Sure and Aldrin would have remembered fighting each other before. Maybe, but to them this could have also just been something that was like in a passing whim or passing idea. Uh, we also don't know how awake the Awoken uh, were transformed or changed uh, afterward. they retained. Especially, too, considering how it is also explained, I believe it's in Cosmic Gyre. I know I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but mm-hmm. Cosmic Gyre 4, Mara describes herself as being almost like pulled apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we frankly don't know how much of that is resequencing genes or changing around how she is. Right. Uh, so frankly, there is still that little bit that could be there that really opens up the uh, the possibility that even some body changes had occurred within some people. Uh, if they were either not in the best of shape, they had problems otherwise, etc. Uh, we frankly don't know. So that's where the speculatory idea kind of pops into it. Right. Uh, but again, that does also come into the ideas of how much were they able to remember uh, because we've already seen and confirmed memory manipulation with some of the uh, with Savin as the uh, the ghost uh, and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, just throwing it out there. Like there's, but there's these are not guardians. These are awoken. Right, um, but it can still Lee when you're mention... when you're talking how the distributary is built though, or what the distributary right. is. <laughs> but to we can actually get into memory a little bit later because Elise Lee does yeah. or Alice Lee mentions that she remembers she was the captain mm-hmm. when after the transformation happens and that i don't remember which card it is right off the top of my head oh it's a extasiate one yeah yeah it's, it's really it's, like, it's right now. it's right when she wakens mm-hmm. i, I kind of have to agree with beard the question to me is more about are are they allowed to remember is mara mm-hmm. allowing them to yeah, because I mean, could, because, I mean, I guess spoiler alert: Mara's Mara was the first. I mean, 
kind of a big spoiler. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but she allowed, I mean, that's kind of the crime is she's, she's allowed everyone to remember things a bit of a a different history of how they awoken given, Mm -hmm. given with Alice or Elise, however you want to say it, um, you know, given that she is convinced that, um, she is the first because she, she remembers her being the first. And then she mysteriously remembers being the one who wakens Mara. But then we find out that Mara was actually the first. And so that mm-hmm. gives kind of goes back to what a beard was kind of mentioning with Savin and with the guardians, you know, with their, their whole thing. Uh, the, there's a bit of manipulation of information in, in the mind there. And so question kind of comes up is like, is, is like, is that, um, I don't think we have enough information to say I just, one way. Yeah, I don't there. think I think that is a question that is up in the air. That could determine some of what what the debate here kind of right. is. Um, it's more if we somehow ever get the logs of uh Ship Spire, Exodus Green, Project Amrita, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call this thing, uh Yang La Wei, uh it would be one of those things that we would like have to look back into uh to say like this is the actual ship's loggings that we have of this thing uh, and that's the only con- confirmation i think we're ever going to get out of this which possibility of that happening is probably slim to none anyway right uh just based on the fact that they were already uh starbound right unless we well, find yeah. it somewhere in the tangled shore well uh, but the only place that, that you would some of that was there or yeah. is it in still the distributary which i would argue the latter more than the former mm. because i would argue that it's all still in the ship spire and that's yep. all uh the basis of a lot of the distributary distributary location is like the the kind of the central capital is the ship spire Yep. As we as we kind of and I guess that's kind of you know furthermore, but I mean talking about the importance of the ship spire or the Amarita or whatever you want to call it, that kind of does lead us into yeah. Brefos three, uh, mm-hmm. because Brefos three is the introduction of Alice, the captain of Yang Li Wei, um, and you know this kind of is where you kind of start getting the sense that Mara, even though Mara is a uh, what is it a, a third class a turge. She mm-hmm. is in and of herself kind of a minor figure of note. Uh, and there's a bit of a cult uh, that follows her. Uh, and even um, even the captain even admits that, you know, she has she has watched one of her recordings. She's a she's a streamer. Yeah, she's she's IRL <laughs> streaming is what she's doing. Um and this is also where you in, you're introduced to Mara's mother, uh, Osana. Uh, when you kind of you kind of get a really good grasp of the relationship that Mara and Osana have. It's a very um, not parent and child almost. It's it's almost two equals that are that are at each other. Um, and Mara is you know you start kind of getting a bit of a sense of who Mara is, like her her own discomforts. Uh, for example, Mara is not a fan of uh, being inside the crap captain's lo- or uh, uh, captain's cabin. Uh, she's actually really actually scared. Apparently, uh, the idea of cow milk is disgusting to people. Uh, that was really kind of an interesting thing. Oh, cow thing. 
Well, uh, is, that, is that is that is that what it is? They, they, they call is it a it? cow thing in the card. Uh, it's uh, the trap. Lee serves some very battered pre-traveler ceramic sloshing with hot green tea, then immediately adulterates her own cup with milk from the cow thing on the <laughs> bio deck. <laughs> so, Revolting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, she she calls herself out, but it's Mara grew up in space. For one, that is something we've kind of you get from the original Breathos card where she talks about why she chooses to go on. She pretty much grew up in space. Yeah, that's so fair. She but I, may I did, not I know found what an actual whole... cow looks like. <laughs> I found that so hilarious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of showing her youth here too. Right, right. Well, and it kind of also explains like where her influence kind of comes in. You know, you get the definition of an auteurge, which is the volunteer. You know, basically it's like, which it kind of sounds interesting because the captain is saying that she can't order her to stop. She, yeah. Is she talking, I mean, is she talking about the EVAs or is she talking about the work that Mara mm-hmm. does for she, fixing? She's, ta- she's talking about the EVAs. Okay. Yeah, okay. I would... I would lean towards the EVAs because it's basically saying like she's she is um, has been pointed out in chat she's an influencer to some degree like she has some uh, some sway over how it is that she handles but really Alice just feels like she's trying to warn Mara this entire time like hey don't do anything stupid to yourself because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna throw off morale for the people that care about you. Well, and she also refers to Mara, and this is me kind of nitpicking, but this is another Mm -hmm. Roman concept. Uh, She refers to Mara as a house god. Yeah. Uh, Which is a very, very kind of, uh, it's it's not necessarily just Rome, but it was a very... Isn't it also an Asian concept, too? Uh... Kind of. I think of. they called it something differently. It's, yeah, yes. it's not. It's uh, it's more of like guardian spirits, I think, in the East. Like family yeah, family, say... family guardians, I think, is kind of the more... I'm, I'm not 100%. They have a similar concept. That's, it's no, a that's, very... that's correct. Just think just think Mulan and Mushu. Like, that's, that's, okay, that's yeah, like actually a yeah. very close idea to it. <laughs> the mighty um, Mushu! But um, they also deal Disney with reference. ancestors quite a bit differently as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a few different pieces in there that you have to kind of think of. Yeah, because yeah, a house absolutely. god a house god is not ancestral. A house god is other it's like, right. i mean like mm-hmm. your your rome and your greeks uh had it was a it was a third party that was not necessarily uh familiarly related to the family that lived within the house whereas with uh with the east yeah they were all like they were literal ancestors um but like her her comment here about you know being the house god is like she she's kind of kind of agreeing with um Osana, in the sense, as you will see, I think you'll see this later, Osana is kind of bitter towards Mara about how she abuses her power over people. Um, and the the captain here is saying the same thing, is like, you know, like, you are a symbol. You are, you know, you have, like, it's just, when and she says this, when you endanger yourself, you endanger that symbol. You are part of the mission's behavioral armor. She is something mm-hmm. that is protecting and giving people hope, giving them a reason to, you know, continue doing what they're doing. And as as such, the captain's like, and as such, I'm invested in you continuing to, you know, be that thing. So 
This conversation actually is really important because it does come back up later towards the end of the book. Much later, but yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, not to mention it kind of reaffirms Mara's entire understanding of pretty much everything. Like, I mean, she, this is, this is arguably where Mara, Mara's paradigm shifts from being you know just someone who's who's getting things that she wants she's now i mean she even says that she's like i didn't ask to be anyone's mascot and the captain's kind of like pushing back and it's like what people make of you what they create of you even without your consent becomes a kind of responsibility you know and and that's where and she she, and mara quotes that almost verbatim back at her uh i think it's in in nye like She's like, you, you told me this, like you were the one who taught me this lesson. And, you know, that's, that's, this is, this is the catalyst, I would argue, of what one of the core tenets of Mara's personality kind of comes from. Mm -hmm. Or at least helps solidify that. Right. Sorry. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it reaffirms. Reaffirms. The next, so that's the end of Brafos. We're through one section. We've got a lot to go. We can so do the it. Next one. Oh God. Hold on to your bootstraps, guys. Um, next one is Cosmogyre, as far as the art goes. And Cosmogyre is where we see the actual transformation happen. We see the distress call come in, and we actually learn that uh Yang Liwei and this this fleet or ship flying out is Exodus Green. And there's a lot to unpack in Cosmogyre. It's... I think it's worth kind of almost summarizing this entire thing with just defining what Cosmogyre means. Uh, you... It roughly means yeah. world or cosmos world, which if you want to think back on how um, what happened with the Fallen, uh, yeah, it's not far off from that. It's, uh, it's the whirlwind. Here it comes, everybody. Yeah, kind of. It's just its own little thing. Um, in Cosmogyre 1, we get introduced to the fact that there is an unknown object object following them, or at least toying with them a little bit. And a lot of this a lot of these cards are on the flight deck between Elise Lee and her crew. And then we get a card card number two is between Mara and Oldwin going to basically go on an EVA during this whole breakdown and they're going to fly out and they're going to go out to try to meet whatever is going on because they're a little crazy. Well, it's also where they feel where Mara, that's her comfort zone. Yeah. She and, feels and it's a, it's a, in some ways out I was about to say it's a base, it's a base uh, psychological thing that if you're threatened, you retreat to where you're most comfortable, even if right. it makes absolutely no sense. Like, that's what animals will always do is if you threaten an animal, it will retreat to a safe zone. Right. Yeah. But I do want us to read Cosmogyre three and Cosmogyre four, because I think these two are probably the, at least the closest we've ever gotten to knowing what happened mm-hmm. for the event. It, it gives us a description of it. So Beard, can you read three and blue four afterwards? And let's save the breakdown until we get through all of it, because it kind of ties back into each other. 
Sure. Sure. Okay, oh God, I forgot how long this one was. Sorry. <clears throat> it's fine. The stars have gone out. The universe blackened, a shroud of nothingness drawn over Yang Liwei. It's 40,000 sleeping passengers, it's 900 crew, and maybe even the whole solar system. There is no way to know because there is no way to see anything beyond the hull. The vacuum itself has become hostile to the propagation of light. Darkness surrounds them. The ship bucks on a storm sea as space-time ripples with gravity tides. Report, Captain Lee calls. Her sensorium, sensorium blazes with positional telemetry from ring laser gyros, beacon satellites, pulsar fixes, cosmic microwave background texture, galactic EM field terrain mapping, every signal instrument useless, crashed, spitting nonsense. Sound off by stations. Fido, the flight dynamics officer, calls. Main engine on safe. Thrusters firing erratically. Attitude control keeps crashing to manual. Guidance. I have no position. I cannot get a vector. We're moving, but I can't tell how or where. Inco. No external comms. Internal networks are dropping in and out. An incredible sensation watches over Captain Lee. A rumble and a thrum down in her gut, in her marrow. It, the lowest, basest elements of her body. It is the vibration, the sound of the very fabric of her being scrunching up and stretching out. The distance between the atoms of her body collapses, then expands. The cycle repeats again and again. For a moment, she feels her fingertips and toes pulled away from her core, yanked by tidal forces. It feels like the lowest rumble of the biggest subwoofer ever built. It sounds like the deep voice of God whispering ASMR directly into her ear. It tingles, it thrills, and it leaves in its wake a subsonic tint of dread and anticipation. She shivers. Gravity waves, she says. Talk to me, Geode. The space-time geodesics officer looks like she's just been handed, uh, hand-delivered a Nobel. This is amazing, she crows, fully aware that she and everyone else are about to die, but transported away from such temporal concerns by scientific rapture. Can you feel that growl? We're experiencing high-frequency, high-amplitude gravity waves, phaeton strikes, axions decaying through the hull, sterile neutrinos. It's all coming from a source at bearing uh, 045 mark 030 relative range. Range highly variable. Another wave tears through Yang Lai Wei. Everything in the ship simultaneously compresses and stretches as the gravity wave deforms the space-time metric. Is it the Phantom? Lately demands as she, as the ship thrums sonically. Is that Phantom ship emanating these waves? I have no idea. Geode says ex uh, exultantly. None of this makes any sense at all. Wow. Alice Lee has the distinct sense that something ancient and malevolent is operating upon them, a trillion-fingered hand reaching in to caress the very atoms of their beings, setting photons a spin, strumming nerves like guitar strings, a tongue with ten billion slithering forks tasting the surface of their brains. The sense of imminent doom crescendos. She knows absolutely and utterly that what is about to happen to her and to her crew is far worse than death. 
The darkness knows them now. The thing that has come to kill humanity has their taste. Inko, she clings to her restraints harness as the ship growls through another wave. Her bones creak as they stretch. Last report on the Traveler. Any sign of an intervention? It was at Earth, Captain, and there were high-yield weapons discharges all over the signal. Nothing else. Understood. Well, she did not fly this far to look back and beg for salvation from an alien god. Pinned to the center of her sensorium is the blazing ledger of her crew's vote. We go onward. We do not turn home. Uh, return home. Our fate lies ahead, not behind. Launch an antenna, she orders. I want every probe and satellite we've got outside. Captain, Inko protests. The vacuum's not signal permissive. We're still passing signals internally, aren't we? Use hardline. Run filament between the satellites. I want a transmitter sail out there, and I want to broadcast. Her flight crew stares. Captain, Fido says. Broadcast what? A declaration of neutrality. Alice Lee grits her teeth against another wave. It rattles her molars in her skull. Whatever's out there, it came for the Traveler. We tell it we're not part of this war. We've seceded from human existence under the Traveler. We demand to be treated as a separate species, not party to baseline humanity's conflicts. And we pray there's something out there that cares about the difference. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <clears throat> so that brings us to Cosmic Hour 4, which starts. She remembers everything about the moment she is born. She has gone outside Lang the way to die in starlight. She cannot bear to let anyone see her fear or her awe at the scale of destruction or her pity for the billions of souls dying in darkness or background soul. She cannot be among the other crew as they cling to each other and whisper reassurances, not even with her mother. She cannot surrender her mystery. So she kicks off the hull on 50 kilometers of tether. But there's no starlight to die in. The darkness is absolute. Gravity waves tug on her line, pulling her back towards Yang and then hurling her away. In time, she feels another vibration in the line. Sister, the tether transmits, I'm coming out to get you. Brother, she thinks. You'll lose yourself trying to follow me. Captain Lee's voice breaks through the static, drawn out to a mumble and then compressed to a shriek. Spikes of hard radiation go through her words like bullets, sp spattering phenemes into eerie compression artifacts. This is the interstellar vessel Yang Luwei to the entity interacting with us. We are not involved in your dispute with the powers around this star. We are on a mission to begin a new life elsewhere. Our purpose is orthological to yours. We re request your indifference. Mara's tether trembles with the old one's progress. She holds it in one hand and reaches out with the other, gripping the emptiness, feeling how the tides of broken space pull at her fingertips. She senses that the nothingness around her is not indifferent, that it is aware of all purposes, and that its own purpose encompasses them. It is infinitely hostile, because it must be. Suddenly, as if the void around her has just spontaneously big-banged, she sees light. A point of pure white shines in cosmic distance. Not just visible luminance, her, sh her suit decomposes the spectrum, but light in the radio bands and microwave, keening, ultraviolet, a spike of gamma, a total and all-embracing radiation. It sings. It chatters. It speaks in a voice older than suns. 
She feels that she could furrier the voice for a century and never decompose it into its parts. It is awesome and appalling and piercingly true. Mara understands how those who die in radiation accidents must feel. A single flash of invisible power sears away all possible futures except one. She feels her soul itself has been ionized, blasted into a higher energy state. The light pierces the darkness, not like the sunrise, not like a wall or a flood, but a singular crepuscular ray, a finger of radiance that reaches out through the deepest night to touch her. It illuminates Mara, Aldrin, and Yang Luei. It is not it is not quite enough. It cannot vanquish the shadow. Thus Mara finds herself drifting on the edge of the light and the darkness, on the dusk and dawn gradient between the two. She feels a contest, a battle fought in equilibrium reached, not a truce but an infinite limit limit, like an equation dividing by zero, a collusion of two violent eternities. Mara queries Yang Luei for telemetry and her sensorium fills with the terrified scream of gravitational instruments. She howls too, a feral sound, ecstatic and lost, a wolf baying at the stars. She knows what's happening. Too much power has gathered here. The universe is appalled by the paradox. Nothing that has glimpsed this collision of infinitudes can be allowed to escape. The cosmos must censor its embarrassment. It must sequester the anomaly. The slope of warped space-time around them has become too steep, and now every path outward or forward bends back towards the center where light and dark collide. The definition of future has become synonymous with the definition of inward. This is why it's called an event horizon. For an object within the horizon, the path of all future things that can be done or seen leads inevitably down to the center. All events lead inward. A singularity is forming around her, a cucoblitz, a black hole created by the concentration of raw energy. Mara, Aldrin shouts. Mara, you're too far out. Mara thinks of her mother's face. She hears Osana say, I can't watch over you like a mother would. I have to make my own choices now. She fires the detach command into the tether. Gravity seizes her. She falls forward in space and time into the future, into the mystery. Yang Wei is behind her. Oldwin is behind her. She wants to be the first. Two incredibly deep cards. Yeah, they are. With a lot to unpack in both. Mm-hmm. I mean, first we get the, the basically the approaching of the darkness in Cosmic Iron 3 and how it affects the ship and the crew with the sterile neutrinos and all of that good stuff, which granted, when we hear sterile neutrinos, any time in Destiny we think about the Taken. Now we're getting it coming in these gravity waves which are shaking the core of themselves. And it's interesting because they're just getting the waves and the waves are enough to like rack their bodies. It's not even the epicenter of what's actually going on. I mean, what? we're... We're also talking that these are high, high pole gravity waves, and if you've ever had G forces on your body, it doesn't take much to knock you out. Oh, it'll. And that's not even close make it to sick. what. Yeah, that's not even close to what these guys are feeling up in space like that. That is, that is an underestimation for me to at least say that it's something akin to uh, G forces of any kind. It also puts in perspective exactly 
the scope of what is happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where I mean, these these were literally insects involved in this whole argument between two. I mean, like you know, it's like two titans are arguing, and we're just kind of like, oh, just don't get stepped on, don't get stepped on, you know, just like right. running around the running around the feet of the giants and trying not to get squished. I mean, it's it's to whomever at Bungie's uh, credit that had uh, written these couple cards out, especially that third one. Uh, talking about like how insignificant we are just mm-hmm. to make sure that we know like how screwed we frankly were oh yeah uh and it was like the, these things have have powers over forces that we can barely comprehend like even right now we don't know how singularities work or anything like that mm-hmm. uh, but for something to generate wave functions that are similar to that out of nowhere is amazing so just to really put into perspective how much I appreciate the third one and how much detail it goes into. Because the first time I read it, I was just like, okay, my, my space nerd is well tingled. This is <laughs> Yeah. I think the one of my favorite parts of that card in particular is actually coming from Elise Lee at the very end, where she says, where she's basically saying the declaration of neutrality. Mm-hmm. She calls out essentially what the Awoken are. We've seceded yep. from human existence under the Traveler. We demand to be treated as a separate species, not party to baseline humanity's conflicts. Right. She's essentially, um, dare I say it, making a wish at that point to say that, hey, we're not part of that group. Right. Now, granted, she's not actually wishing upon an Ahamkar or anything she's, like that. She's making a covenant. And that's what Either gets called no out. One... Well, that's what gets called out later. Is the reason I say that she, she, Alice, Alice says later that we were. She says we were granted this world by a covenant with high powers, and in that in that covenant, we yielded our claim to our history. We abandoned what came before, but in doing so, we cast off all our debts. Well. And that is either knowingly or unknowingly mm-hmm. creating that covenant in a lot of ways. Because right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, be like, careful what as you a wish captain, for, but... she, As a captain, she's probably just thinking for the safety of her crew just to try to save them. But as an Awoken, that mindset can obviously change. Right. And it obviously does change in priority to what we might have thought that it meant beforehand. Now, from what, of course, Blue had just got done rattling off, uh, that's where I think that there is some... Uh, very good evidence, solid evidence of like how uh, how the Awoken's brains have kind of been played with a little bit, uh, because now it's for a, a different reason than it was previously. Sure, but it sounds like the entire interpretation has changed. Besides, then we get into Cosmic Hour Four, where we actually see the pulse of the Traveler push back. And then the mixing of the two, which Mar actually goes out to try to to reach the singularity, the aspect that is mixed. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. I mean, first time I read it, I was just kind of blown away by this these two cards out of all of this. It's just like, oh my god, I am watching the creation of this race. And it's not even, I'm not even watching the end result. I'm just watching the beginning before anything actually happens. Just, just crazy. The definition of future has become synonymous with the definition of inward, which would actually take us into 
Extasiate. And Extasiate is the basically the very oh, first real moment. Quick green. Go for it. I'm sorry. Um, oh. I was just looking over my notes. I forgot about this. Uh, Cade's journal, funny enough, actually, uh, Treasured Island actually calls back on how he remembers the darkness and how it felt. Mm -hmm. uh, he also said that it was a force that ripped him apart. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I us talking about that being potentially an explanation of being taken, too. Yep. Yeah, we're it was it was his explanation of the darkness, if you will. But to me, that at least signifies a little bit more that it was something that had happened uh, throughout the system more than it was just in this little dense pocket that was the Yangli Way or anything like that. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, no, it's I okay. did want to also talk about uh, real quick before you go too far on it. Uh, Extasiate, mm -hmm. uh, old English meaning to go into ecstasy. Just yes. to highlight what it'll go for. Carry on. It is the awakening of the awoken. It in general, it is them waking up after this whole event and the very first couple of moments and the establishment of the awoken people. Mm -hmm. uh, Extasiate one is the awakening of Elise Lee. And um the I I appreciate the symmetry that is brought into this. And I do we have a reason for the symmetry besides the mandalas? Because mm. the symmetry in the name. And then they uh, break the symmetry. Yeah, it, I kind of think the breaking of the symmetry was the point because they're mm -hmm. in balance. Because uh, the awoken are perfect in themselves or whole in themselves and in balance according to the verdicts. And then like it's kind of like they are simplifying slash purifying the balance within them, I guess, in mm -hmm. a way. I, I think that's kind of like I I haven't had a lot of chance to dig into it, but that was kind of this thing that struck me at first was like it's a it's a matter of balance and it's a matter of simplifying those um those aspects of identification, which I mean it kind of goes back into, you know, like the concept of the naming of a thing is also mm -hmm. dominion over that thing. Right. Um, I, 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 yeah. So, go for it. In addition to that, uh, to at least highlight like what a mandala is. Oh, uh, yeah. I have it listed here as uh, a geometric figure representing the uh, universe in Hindu uh, and Buddhist symbolism. Uh, also, a symbol in a dream representing the dreamer's search for completeness and self-unity. I also have it listed here, and I find this kind of an interesting little tieback. It almost feels like the Awoken are similar to the Exo with this specific tieback. Um, it's a regular battle of gods. So for me, it almost feels like the ideas of like Deepstone Crypt and everything are not very dissimilar to what they're showcasing with like the mandalas and everything of the Awoken. Um, one obviously is a little bit more programmed perhaps than the other, but... Mm -hmm. We also get a description in Extasiate of the Distributary at the and, very end. Yeah. Well, actually, for me, this one's a little bit more loaded than uh, I think we're even making it. Um, so we also get a part of the charter, or the, the Amrita charter that's in here. Uh, and I find this super interesting for a few different reasons. Um, what we're, what we're kind of oh, yeah, showcasing... What's that? 
Are you in three or one? I'm in one. Okay. Uh, part of the charter reads, Sun is the cradle of life, but we cannot remain in the cradle forever. Uh, this thinking is highly akin to that of Soviet rocket science, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, Konstantin uh, Sialovsky. Uh, his quote is more about Earth than it is about soul, however. Dead orbit also seems to follow this uh, uh, this to some ph uh, philosophical design or idea. Uh, but that's the first time that we really see part of the, the Amrita Charter in, in some regards. Uh, I just find it funny that the Charter is still looked at as like a basis for how the Awoken are put together. Mm -hmm. uh, but in addition to that, we have to remember what the last thing was that Alice had actually had flashing up on her uh, sensorium, I think it's called. Uh, but that was to not go back to Earth. It was to continue to go out into space. Uh, and ironically, this idea carries onward as we kind of go through the remainder of the, the Maracena, uh, which, as we as Blue had kind of highlighted earlier a little bit, uh, how each of them, I think, looks at this idea of returning or not returning has altered and changed uh, with that uh, with that passage of time. Man, all this card, all of this card, <laughs> all of these cards, the whole concept of the distributary hmm. and the development of it. We also get Mara's Awakening in Exasia 2. Mm -hmm. Now, fun thing you learn that Mara was the first to be changed but was she there's the debate out was she the first to awaken was she the first to be changed what is the definition what is the fine line of it if she was the first to be awoken period which she was the first we learned that in Awoken to the Reef then the whole card or the whole concept that Beard was talking about quite a bit earlier was between the idea that Mara planted those ideas in Elise Lee to be awoken first, mm -hmm. it's very, very manipulative before she was even, like, before anything really settles. Right, backstabbing wench. I don't like that. <laughs> That's my queen you're talking about. She's not my queen. She's my queen. She's not my queen. Find more for me. That's um, fine. You 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 have that. Go on. <laughs> now, um, Mara waking up, she finds Elise Lee, and they have like a inter little interaction together, talking about how the world is developed or how long has she been there and. Elise Lee says she's she thinks she's been for there forever. Time is very questionable mm -hmm. at this point. And you kind of come to learn about that a little bit more as we go on in the book. Back in back in Cosmic Eye or three, we uh we do get the uh listing, of course, of the uh the numbers on the on the ship. Mm -hmm. uh, we find out that there are forty thousand uh crew that are asleep. Uh, and there are 900 crew members. So this leaves your listing at 40,900. This number is very important. But you will does find it? Very quickly. <laughs> so in Exagiate 3, 
<laughs> since we're there already. Yeah, um, Green, we how... Green can attest to my freak out at this card. Oh my god, and Look, everybody still... is asking me about it still. It's still such a legend. I I have so many different thoughts. I think it's a red oh, yeah, no, no. I think it's a red herring. Yeah. I I mean, I can I can I can honestly see it both ways. Yeah. Uh, but I'm kind of leaning on the same page as as Green. Like <laughs> I, I, I think kind of thumbing their nose at us a little bit. Mm-hmm. But okay, so Exegate 3 talks about how more awoken got pulled through or awoken up or were awoken themselves. Um, two became four and four called out and then four became eight. So they increased exponentially by calling and reaching out and pulling more people through essentially conjuring forth by their doubling. The sleepers mm-hmm. did awaken. And so they pulled all these people in and then we get the council, which is really important. And I know I skipped over the number. I'm skipping it over till the end so we can talk about it at length because I know we're going to do that. Um, The council is something that is set up by Elise Lee to set up the... uh, Verdicts. Verdicts, thank you. Well, the verdicts verdicts were the... So they weren't set up to establish the verdicts. They were set up kind of to determine what they were going to do, but then they got into disagreements... Right. And the verdicts came out as a response to the disagreements that they all got into. It was basically people versus the the claimant, if you will. That right. was right. where yeah. it all kind of yeah. just branched from. Because so they originally were uh, going to be like, we're going to call for, or they couldn't agree, and they said they were going to call for a vote, which then leads to the verdicts being formed, which the the last of which is that there is no vote. Alice is the queen. Right. There are eight verdicts and a ninth. So or, yeah, that, so that new monarchy, what? Or the nine, what? Um, first, I the was... people were awoken and they are immortal. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep going past your beard. I'm sorry. <laughs> Second, that this world was tributary of another, but it was forbidden to seek any way to rejoin the mother streams. For this reason, we'll call it the distributary. So I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. Third. The Awoken should multiply in wombs of flesh and machine, but only after most careful forecast of population and ecology, and only under the supervision of those who knew good technology, for each new child would be immortal. Fourth. Yay, eugenics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's to say that they weren't already doing that before they moved well, into Well, I, I mean, it's fair. I mean, they are in space, so. And Mar already had some sort of implant likely going on right fourth that those wise and good technology should be heralded and heated so that the technology could be preserved they were the utex fifth women should hold and care and hold care and protection of the men and others until more could be born aka there are way more women on this ship than there were men and they're going to have to do with a little bit of population control Six, that the purpose of the Awoken should be to know and love the cosmos. Seventh, that the Awoken were created out of covenant with light and darkness, but the covenant was complete and no further debt would ever be called except the duty of the second verdict to remain on the distributary. Eighth, that the Awoken were whole in themselves and they existed in balance. Ninth, that there would be no vote but instead, Elise Lee would be recognized as queen. So basically, they're like, eh. 
kind of almost well, throw it all vote, out and, and make her right. Queen. And the vote, the vote there that they're talking about is the one that is um, was the entire reason for the council, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they because this is where you also get like you know the the division between the the ones who were awake when they were become the the ones who were not sleepers and the ones who were sleepers mm-hmm. uh, because the sleepers seem to not remember well they don't remember because they were asleep they're trying to like they're like where the what what what's where, going why, on why why are we here like what is going on um and you know and so there and th- there's like forty thousand of them that's a quite a large number and that was why the um council was originally called was to kind of like determine everything that was going on and that led to the argument that led to this to the verdicts being coming made so when they refer to the vote being made um they're referring to i'm trying to find the exact quote real quick um oh uh against her was awome on uh so elise and awome were basically on two opposite sides um and so Elise says that this is where that quote that I had read earlier came from. She says that we were granted this world by a covenant with high powers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, look forward. Let us explore this infant, infant cosmos and revel in its glories, you know, and basically we're not going back. And then in opposition, Awomi, uh, who was one of the 40,000 sleepers, kind of challenged her. And she said, no, we are the aliens here. We have to climb back up our world line, which was the ship spire. Um and we have to return to the mother, the mother world. Um, and Awome actually is the one that calls for a vote between in in the council. And then apparently there was a sub council with Mara surprise um, going on in secret, in which What's basically that? yeah a coven you say a, a coven what. Um, not yet. That's not, not yet. officially that's, made that's, yet. That's, that's later. That's when we get to UTEC, which is also really fascinating. Um, <clears throat> but this is where Mara kind of comes in and kind of starts really kind of starting to manipulate people. Um, but because of the disagreement between Awomi and Alice, that's where the council came up with the eight verdicts. And then they threw on the ninth verdict, which then allows Elise to make her first co- proclamation which comes back and bites her in the butt. Um, it does. That, what was it? That there are to be no secrets among the Awoken. Which is like, I'm like, oh, bad move. So, yeah, secrets. Society needs secrets in some ways. Uh, speaking of secrets, you want to talk about the secret number that we've been avoiding this card? Uh, before before that, real quick, actually, just leave it more in suspense. As a reminder, <laughs> the majority agreed in before they got to the distributary that they should leave Earth to its fate. Yeah, remember that as we go along, because yeah. it seems <laughs> like there's a vocal majority or a vocal portion that still cries out to say, "Why aren't we going back to Earth?" Well, not so necessarily Earth. Is our, well, to at least get out from the distributary and right. at least figure out like where they came from. Like the Awoken are obviously, and we find out a little later on, still too very interested in their ancestry. Not all of them, but there is a good portion that and, is. 
and there to was, be, it was enough that Alice Lee had to make verdicts. Right. And and to be fair, though, also remember that the ones that voted were not the ones sleeping. Right. So, you know, 900 people voting for 40,000 when mm-hmm. the 40,000 wake up and are like, WTF? Oh, really? yeah. In chat. <laughs> wow, that was a really smooth trip. Hey. Why am I blue? Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a shock. Um, right. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah. And the number that awoken. Yes. Which the breakdown is 30,111 were women, 10,295 were men, 485 were otherwise. So if you're pretty good at math, what does that come up to? 40,891. Mm-hmm. And what was the number I gave before? Four thousand forty thousand nine hundred. Where are the nine? (laughs) So there's nine missing. Yeah, we don't know where they are. Oh, we all know where they are. (laughs) We know where Bungie lost in space. And to be in space. (laughs) Danger, danger, danger. Uh, I mean, and to be fair, I'm pretty sure that the nine missing are the ones that were not sleepers. Yes. Yeah, they were part of the crew. I'm pretty yeah. sure they were part of the crew. Yeah. They were well, they the crew. they make that to be a very actually important piece of it because they say there were four. I, I mean, look at the yeah. Card the forty. They quick, keep referring I, to them as forty thousand. The forty thousand say this. The forty thousand yeah. say that. They and yeah, then they, they, well, they uh, call out the three hundred eighty. What is it? The three hundred eight hundred ninety one. Eight hundred ninety one. Yeah. Different yeah, they, they separate the numbers, so it is very clear that something happened with some of the uh, crew members involved. So whatever, wherever these nine crew members were, that they were otherwise affected differently is kind of the question. Uh, were there others that were outside, like uh, Ultwin and Mara, that became a different fate? I don't know. I don't think any of us really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the biggest thing it, like Mara was flying towards the thing and did something happen where the Anglo way was like pulled into this uh singularity or different spot, etc. Uh that's the problem. Like we we don't know where these nine are legitimately, but I will say that it does fall back onto the uh the legends of the nine card. Uh so just to uh, kind of yeah. stop backtracking on that a little bit. But that being say, yes, it uh there's some weird pieces there. I don't know. I I don't think that these are the nine, but anyway. I just want to know if these are the nine, which one is the shouty one? Mm-mm. I mean, okay, no. we have those, the that card that says the Awoken are the nine, the nine are the nine ghosts, the nine are the blah, blah, blah from yeah, the back legends. in D1. Right. Oh my god. It's just like yeah, the, what the if gather the information check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Play your game. I I still say it's just a a culmination of many things, and all of those legends are true and false. Yes, all at the same time. I am beginning to think that as well. With as look many here, multiple man. That... Look, I have but said this for that. like over a year. Per this point, like over a year at this point, that that is exactly what's going on. Yay! That the that's nine different. aren't just nine entities, but multiple entities of nine. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're not like 
I said that they are the Nine Ghosts. I said that they are Nine Ahamkara that survived afterward. I've said that they are Nine Awoken. You know, there are there are several things that kind of fall back on this idea. But th again, anyway, there's there's plenty of different things that uh, that kind of strapping back into this. Yes, Blue, there is only one more mind. <laughs> we are only ever going to say that there's one more mind. Why? Because that one is a falsehood. So to you, to you, oh bear mine, I, I leave you two truths and a falsehood. Me. Oh my god, you two. Bring me a so, shrubbery. So we are I don't want your plants halfway through this book, and we're getting ready to start some pretty deep stuff when it comes to the civil wars oh, and the, the development of and Mara's multiple tentacles going out and being treacherous without letting herself be known. Well, now that um, image is stuck in my head. Sorry. <laughs> I would blame Beard, but I don't have a good reason to, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Continue, Green. Con continue. But oh, that Lord. being said, I think we should actually stop this episode because we're almost at two hours. This is the best spot to stop at this point because we've now established the Awoken and we've seen how the how the ship has been broken down. Uh, at this point now, it is now how does this civilization build itself up from like the darkness and light that has been itself? Uh, this is the absolute best point uh, to break this up. I'll be interested to see if we can actually put the uh, the next up into into just one other episode, though. <laughs> God, yeah, it would be yeah, interesting if we can fit. I it quite in. frankly don't think it's going to happen because and... I think even the next couple cards are deep enough. Like these are going to be here for a while. It will be. Yeah. We'll be on these long enough. Anyway. Yeah, I think. I think we should call this one a night and then just pick up again on a different episode. Yeah. Blue. That's fine. Do you have you do shout, outs? shout outs? Yeah, I was about to say, do yeah. you guys want to do any shout outs mm -hmm. then? Um, I wanted to give a big shout out to the Knights of Ni. Um, they are they are inspiration to all of us who are hunting for our own shrubbery. And... Um, this is what happens when Green blindsides me halfway through the content and says that we're going to do shout-outs. Um, well, I swear to God, Blue, I'm going to give you a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a big, a big shout-out to pretty much everyone uh, who was with us this last week. Uh, I just appreciate all the support that you guys gave us. Um we are still we still have the anniversary shirts on sale over on uh, Teespring. Yeah. We'll put the link on that for the show notes. Uh, if you guys want to get a grab a copy of the snarky shirt that we put out for the third year, that would be that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and then, like I said earlier, we do have a giveaway. I promise that I am trying desperately to find the free time to put those together. Um, I'm probably going to throw together, I, I think at the end of the day, I think I'm just going to throw together a Gleam giveaway um, and get just to get it done with. Uh, but I will continue to keep everyone updated in Discord as time allows. But yeah, that's that's pretty much my, my shout outs there. Beard? Um, I 
honestly don't have a ton right now. Uh, it's been, I have been very disconnected from everything that's been going on, on the internet the last week here. Uh, so I don't really have too much that I can honestly think of. Uh, just, uh, I, I guess I will say with Halloween coming up, I don't know when we'll be able to get this episode out. Uh, I, I think it'll be in time for Halloween, but uh, if you're celebrating, if you're running around or anything, just be safe out there. Uh, world's a crazy place, as we all know. Just be safe and know the environments that you're in. Um, but that being said, just just have a happy Halloween, because it's my favorite holiday of the year. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Uh, my shout out is to all the new members in Discord. There's been quite a few of you guys in the last couple of weeks. So welcome to Discord. Don't be shy to chat at people or call anybody out. Make Beard come into our side of the channel every once in a while. I mean, yeah, just just at me because that's like the yeah. best way to do it with, with how busy I get. It's not because I don't want to interact. Right. It's because I already have my own community that I'm trying to interact with. And, and trust me, they keep me on my toes. Right. There's also a lot, like, I know Blue's also in a ton of discords, Beard's in a lot of discords. I'm rapidly getting into too many discords. I have unfortunate amount muted at this point where I'm very rarely in there actively. Mm-hmm. But I am almost always lurking in FFC. So if you want to chat, just like Beard said, at me. Or if you want to ask a question or just want to say hi, that is the easiest way to do it is just to just at one of us say hi. We'd love to chat with you mm-hmm. and welcome to the family. Yeah, man. All Blue, right, back to you. All right. Well, we're going to take off and we will see you. Well, it probably may be a little bit sooner than in a week if we can figure yeah. out a scheduling. Yeah. yeah, especially but. with not necessarily intending this to go longer than one episode, but we should have known <laughs> well, better. Hey, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We always do. So uh-huh. you guys have mm-hmm. a great week and we will see you when we see you. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.